Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot. Connect to more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hello, Montana. A new blanket waiver for multi-team events. What does it mean for NCAA basketball and sports in general? A huge weekend in high school football, the last weekend of the regular season, and the state cross-country meet, and of course, NFL Week 7 and World Series Game 4 and 5. What games they were. Hi, how are you? A lot to cover on a Monday afternoon. Hope you are well. It is Tutel and Nuan is outstanding to be with you on this Monday afternoon. Uh, thanks for being here. Hope your weekend was outstanding. Hope you uh, were able to stay warm somewhere, somehow. Good gracious. October? This is what we're getting? My word, it is just a little bit snippy out, isn't it already? Good news is it's early in the season. That means it's going to warm up again. So I'm sorry, right? We can believe that. Anyhow, you want to get involved? We're happy to have you on the show. 361-3688 is the phone number. 361-3688, the phone number. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. If you would like to uh, go ahead and jump in the stream, you can do that as well. Listen live on our website, 1029ESPN.com. You'll listen to the stream all the time. Thanks to our friends at Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. In the show today, uh, we are going to go through the new blanket waiver for multi-team events. 
uh, what does that mean? Basically, like tournaments, like uh, not a scheduled tournaments that they have often at the front end of seasons. They get different teams playing each other, trying to get like opponents on neutral sites. Generally, these things happen in, you know, I don't know, the Bahamas or Hawaii and all that kind of thing. So we'll go into that ESPN and had a plan to do like an eight or a 10 team basketball tournament in the bubble in Orlando. Sounds like that is not happening, but a lot of shifting going on in uh, the world of college basketball right now, which is basically one month away. In fact, a month from yesterday is the scheduled start date for college basketball, men's and women's college basketball, the NCAA level. And uh, right now, yee trying to figure out how and how the puzzle pieces fit together, what it's going to look like. I don't know. It's good. The Big Sky, they already got their schedule set up, so now it's just trying to find a few non-conference games to play if you could do it, which is uh, much easier said than done for sure, but uh, we'll take a look at that while we're out with that. Huge weekend in uh, high school football. The Missoula Sentinel Spartans simply dominant once again. I mean, as good as they've been, they have just gotten better and better it seems like. I mean, because they were they were beating teams by a lot that turned out to be teams, you know, kind of under 500 maybe some teams that weren't very good. Now they're beating teams by a lot who are undefeated as they're playing them, have one loss as they're playing them, just blowing teams out. Also, Billings West, they remained undefeated in a great game, probably the game of the weekend uh, this weekend against Bozeman. We will also get into the Treasure State Stars here, the top, uh, the five best athletes from the world of football. Also, the Class AA cross-country meet happened over the weekend and a uh, a new trend has begun a, uh, a shift in the powers double a cross country so we'll get to that top of the hour what a weekend in football all, all across the board especially the nfl obviously seattle and arizona last night once again the game that just you can like or hate the seahawks if they don't deliver you the most interesting entertaining football games week in and week out i'll be darned i mean that is as good as it gets going all the way down to the wire and overtime and some of it was a comedy of errors some of it was great football uh obviously uh dk metcalf took a pretty big uh leap in a lot of people's minds for the way that he handled himself and uh and did did, 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 did track it down buddha baker that doesn't happen very often buddha baker getting caught from behind in fact Never, according to Buda Baker. He said he'd never been hawked before ever. DK got him, though. Uh, but we'll get into that. Obviously, Pittsburgh staying undefeated. They win their game uh, against Tennessee. How about Baker Mayfield figuring it out in Cleveland? That was a great game. The Cowboys stinking up the joint. The Bucks look like they might be the class of the NFC all of a sudden. So all that. And, of course, the World Series. The wildest World Series game that I can recall happened on Saturday night, Game 4 in an unbelievable back and forth that finished with one of the most amazing and memorable plays in the history of the World Series. And then, just like that, the Dodgers get back on that horse, that horse named Clayton Kershaw, and uh, they get themselves a win in Game 5 and are up 3-2 World Series Game 6 tomorrow night right here on ESPN Radio. You get yourself game six here, and that might be the clincher. That might be all she wrote. Obviously, the Dodgers have two opportunities to clinch this uh, World Series and break through and kind of get the the proverbial monkey off the back. It is nothing like the curse. It's nothing like the streak, but it's a really good team who's been one of the best, if not the best in baseball in for four or five seasons and have yet to actually get it done in a World Series. So they're expected to do it. They're one game away from doing it, and that is means the pressure is the biggest right here and right now in the World Series. So there you go. That's the uh, that's the show in a nutshell today. Hello, Coulter. What's up, Gus? Glad you could make it. It's nice to see you. Um, it's crazy Dodgers haven't won since 1988. Yeah. I mean, I remember those teams, man. Oral, Oral Hershiser. Hershiser. Absolutely. Kirk Gibson. 
You know, Kirk, it's amazing how much baseball's changed. Did I, t- I think I've told it's you so this crazy before. to think of think of this. Okay, how bad would this Dodgers team just waste that 1988 Dodgers team? Well, destroy. It's a pretty good baseball team, right? Yeah, there. I know. Yeah. It's just crazy to think how much the game has changed. Yeah, um, I was living in New Mexico in '88. Mm, okay. The farm team, the AAA affiliate for the LA Dodgers, was the Albuquerque Dukes. Now mm. the now the Albuquerque Isotopes, right. then the Albuquerque Dukes. Kirk Gibson injured on his way back goes to AAA Albuquerque, and a young adolescent, not adolescent, what was I? Elementary aged, eight year old Gus Tutel in the stands watch Kirk Gibson hit it all the way out of here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the year that he goes and walks it off in the World Series. How great is that? That's so great. That's if you would have stuck around a little while longer, you would have seen the greatest string of Rookie of the Years in baseball history, right? Going through Albuquerque? Didn't the Dodgers have four consecutive Rookies of the Year? Man, maybe. I don't know. Eric Carlos, Raul Mondesi, Mike Piazza, maybe one more. I feel like there was one more. I think I they know. had four in a row. I think it was the all-time the, the, Those three are pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Well, it was, uh, yeah, it's been a fun World Series. And, and I mean, that game four, you know, baseball is is usually one that the thrill of watching baseball is the tension of baseball. Yes. Rarely is the thrill of watching baseball the thrill, uh, a thrill. On, fr- on, on, on Saturday night in that game four, it was up out of your seat yelling and screaming you're waking the kids up my brother telling me you're gonna wake them all up you gotta shut up while he's jumping up and down and pushing me in back onto the Davenport you know it was like it was just it was it was unbelievable and you gotta watch it like four or five times even figure out what the heck even just happened here I mean a Rosarania falling over just falling going straight just just uh, just f- straight Daniel Jones rounding yeah. third and taking it, yeah. taking a spill. Thinks he's going to be thrown out. Oh man, unbelievable. Anyway, we'll get to it. We want to start though. We try and start with something that can be at least somewhat locally themed. We don't have Big Sky Sports going on right now. It's killing me. They're coming up. They're we're we're getting close, especially with basketball. But we want to you know keep you know things. We're in Montana. Stick with some Montana stuff. Now, this is national, but it certainly will have import here. But, Coulter, talk to us about this. The NCAA has approved a blanket waiver for multi-team events, read-into multi-team events, tournaments, right? right. Little little four-team, right. eight-team round-robin type of deals that you do, that you get uh, the all the invitationals that you generally have at the beginning of college basketball seasons. So where we're at right now, and this is going to be the part that's going to make this whole thing in flux, is last month the NCAA Division One Council announced that teams hoping to qualify for the NCAA tournament must play at least 13 games against Division One opponents without exceeding 27 total contests. We've talked a lot about the schedules of availability. I think a lot of the powerhouse schools, because of their ability to buy games, are going to want to play as many regional teams as they possibly can. The farther west you go, the more those regional teams maybe aren't even big sky teams if you're the Pac-12, for example, but maybe you start playing, you know, maybe University of Washington. They would hardly ever play a Central Washington in a real game, but they might this year to get a game in, to get somebody to come to their place. It's a quick trip from Ellensburg to Seattle. It would be way easier in terms of potential contact tracing, all those sorts of things. The logistics are just way more affordable, all of it. But you can't stack up 
if you're UW, you don't want to be stacking up Seattle Pacific, Pacific Lutheran, you know, Central Washington because you have to meet this 13 Division One opponents. Well, people say, well, what about in conference? Because every conference you're going to play at least 16 and sometimes upwards of 20 conference games. But I think that the other detail that needs to be understood is that Basketball's rules are significantly different and significantly stricter than football's rules because of the size of the rosters and the the close proximity of the players. And people would say, okay, well, football players are going head-to-head, but you can wear a shield in football. There is an ability to practice football without your whole team being together. You can do individual drills in different corners of the stadium. If you ever go to a Grizz practice or a Bobcat practice, that's already how it goes. The offensive linemen are way down here by this tunnel and the defensive line's way over here. You're not even on the same side of the field. So you can socially distance a lot more, whereas hoops, when you're going through deals, everybody's around everybody else. So if anybody has any even contact tracing in Division One basketball, it's an automatic 14-day quarantine for your entire team. That's tough, especially if you have a positive test because then it's going to derail so many things. The other thing about basketball that's different than football is you miss a week for football, you miss a game. You miss a week for basketball, you miss three games, maybe four games. That derails your season as well. And so Travis DeCure, he said this on our show recently. He said, hey, this is just going to be a war of attrition. There's nobody that's going to get all the games, and we just all got to figure out how to get this many games in. So this multi-team event, it makes it so that, okay, now everybody can get tested on a Wednesday. They can go somewhere where presumably everybody's safe. It's kind of like a mini-bubble situation. That said, though, the scheduling of these things is going to be really tough. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Especially I, on short notice. And your your point is exactly the one to make. You know, if you go, well, you got to have us 13 games in to, to, you know, qualify for the NC2A tournament. That doesn't seem like that tough. And, and in, in theory, it shouldn't be. But Travis Aguirre said... He left no room. He said there is no chance that any team is going to play every game on their schedule. It ain't happening. I just don't know how it's possible given just the way that this all works because it's not even just that you have to have a positive test. If one of your guys is even around someone else that has it, then all of a sudden, I mean, because these guys are still going to go to a lot of most places, they're still going to school on campus. You're around people. So, you know, your, your astronomy class has a, two kids in it that get it. Well, now the whole basketball team is quarantined because of that. So this is the proverbial, uh, you know, one in the hand is worth two in the bush type of thing. Like if you can get a game scheduled and that game gets played and it is, it's done. It's, it's in the books. You played a division one opponent. It's a big, big deal right now this season. And you want to stack as many of those up because you got no idea what turn it could take. And by the way, may have nothing to do with you. It might be the opponent that all of a sudden, well, now you can't go to Northern Colorado and you know what? That ain't one. That's two games that you're not playing because of the way the schedule is set up back to back. So in the interest of mitigating travel cost and also, you know, uh, uh, you know, overlap time, you know, cross uh, spending time with, you know, in different towns with different groups of people you also risk losing twice as many games in a given weekend if one team all of a sudden can't go so that you know is just what it's going to be and and so this is one way at least initially that you can maybe try and get out of the gate and get some games under your belt before you hit what is a scheduled 20 game conference season but um i think there's a lot of trepidation about whether in fact that number is going to be marked and no one knows what you know what it might be couple other interesting details to what was passed in this blanket waiver. The goal is to help programs shape their schedules in terms of funding, testing protocol, other obstacles that may complicate plans for programs around the country. Traditionally, in these multi-team tournaments, 
You usually would never even go to one that included teams from your own league. If you did, it was part of an NCAA bylaw that you could not play those teams. That's been adjusted as well. Two teams from the same league can compete in the same event, and in a bracketed tournament style, they can play each other in the championship game. If it's not a bracketed tournament style, I do believe you can still play the game as a round robin. Like A lot of times when Lady Grizz hold their, host their holiday classic, it's not a tournament. It's just a round robin. Sure. And whoever wins is just the one that wins the most games, but it's not like a bracketed tournament. But in this scenario... Maybe if Eastern Washington comes over for that, then you can play them, and it doesn't count as a conference game. It'll just be like the third time you play Eastern Washington that year. Mm -hmm. So that's another advantage of helping uh, get some stuff in. All that said, on Friday, officials with the Mohegan Sun, which is a big casino in Connecticut, announced plans to feature more than 30 teams in various tournaments starting on November 25th. So that'll be a little bit of a mini-bubble situation like we saw at the NBA. But then on the flip side, ESPN had this whole entire uh, multi-team event schedule planned in Orlando, and they were just going to not not only replicate, they were going to use the NBA bubble, and they were just going to say, hey, we already know how to do this. We know the logistics of it. They had planned to move eight of its ten non-conference events to the Worldwide of Sports Properties at Walt Disney World in Orlando, including the Championship Classic, the Charleston Classic, Myrtle Beach Invitational Variety, Jimmy V Classic, which is always a huge one, the Diamond Head Classic, which is usually the tournament that's in Hawaii. All of those, though, canceled. As of today. So ironic that this waiver, this blanket waiver gets passed. And then the place where there was actually logistics in place to do this, it gets canceled. I don't really know the reason. I need more elaboration on that because it seemed like it actually was a pretty good idea. But it's going to continue to be a mess. I I think that the logistics of playing football are significantly easier, ironically, than they are of playing basketball. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I think they are because, because it's weekly. First of all, it's weekly and the prevalence of travel in a given football season, you're traveling six guaranteed times. Whereas in yeah. hoops, I mean, we've seen these teams from Montana be on the road for weeks at a time. Yeah, the number it's it's really a, as much about the number of games, not so much the number of players. Like on one hand, you could say it's harder just because of how many bodies you have to deal with and figure out, you know, each one. But the reality is, is sort of once you get the process down. It, it, whether it's 10 kids or 100 kids it's 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 a, it's a bit harder obviously with football but in that respect in any one game but once you've got the sort of blueprint for it i think you can kind of go and do it for basketball it isn't and the other thing is and i think this is the bigger deal you know if five guys can't play in a football game it's significant especially depending on what five guys those might be True. If you got five guys that can't play in a basketball game, you, you don't have a team. Uh-oh. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's the thing that is is the much bigger deal. And, uh, again, I, I said this, the, uh, the NBA, right? I mean, if you go, the, who's done this the best out of everybody? The NBA. The NBA. You and I talked about, I said, you know, are we get, is this going to be a legitimate championship if all of a sudden several of the best players can't play? Right, and you know what? That never happened. There wasn't even one positive test that came Not out of one. the entire bubble. Seventy-eight bowl. days. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And so, all credit to them for for doing that. But when baseball loses guys and they call up a bunch of minor leaguers, does it dilute the product? Product, sure. But do you notice that in the first week, first two weeks of the regular season, all of a sudden, you know, I mean, shoot, the team that it happened to, the Marlins, made the postseason for crying out loud. So basketball is still the sport that runs the greatest risk by far yeah. of having a negative negative impact to the point of is this are, is this real is what we're watching legitimate because you know three of your five starters and 
two of your top four rotation guys aren't playing this weekend. Well, especially because it's such a star-driven sport, too, even at the mid-major or low-major college basketball level. Like, if you're the Grizz and then you go play Eastern Washington, they don't have Jacob Davidson. That's an enormous advantage. Of course. It's, it's huge. Of course. Like, I mean, well, and, and, and for Coach DeCure, and he's not alone in this, but now Montana has about as much depth as you could possibly have, it feels like right now. But in general, what's he do? Maybe an eight-man rotation? Yeah, seven or eight, yep. I mean, you're not... It's not even. I know there's 12, 13 guys on the team. You're not playing 12, 13 players. No, you're not. You're not even playing 10. And, a fa- so, and in fact, a lot of the guys that are on the end of the bench are not getting any reps with the quote unquote varsity. So, like, if you have starters that are out, yeah, those guys, those guys are just wildly unprepared. They, I mean, they'll they can get prepared in short order, but it's it is it's very impactful. It's two tell Nuanas, one hundred two ninety ESPN Radio. Here's the flip side of that coin, though. Yep. We can start searching for maybe some silver linings, right? Um, the practice squad in the NFL was expanded, as we know, right? I think it's like 16 players or something like that. But also, you don't have to be on the quote-unquote 53-man roster in order to be active that week to play. You can just be called up from the practice squad and be available and ready to go. And I know this is a conversation, at least for Seattle, and I think for a lot of other teams, Pete Carroll loves this and wants this to just be what it is. He says, the reality is, is we can preach competition and get ready and everything all the time, but there's a whole group of guys that know they're not playing Sunday, period. They don't even have, it's it's against the rules. They are not allowed to play. Guess what? Now they can play. Now they don't know who might go down, what might happen, what circumstance might Come, come, come up where all of a sudden their number is going to be called. Well, basketball, how much more? You know, if you're a scout team guy, if you're, you know, a deep bench guy, young kid, whatever it might be, okay. But guess what? All of a sudden, some contact tracing comes back. You're the seventh, seventh person on the bench. You got to play 15, 20 minutes in this basketball game. Are you going to be ready to go? Are you going to, and I think that coaches can and will use that as not just motivation to get great practices. But also, when your number is called, because everybody in here, your number is going to be called this season. Every every person, you you better be ready to go. And when there, that time comes, are you going to be able to step on the floor and show it? Are you going to be able to prove that you belong here on this team, at this level, in this conference, et cetera? And, and I think that is something that the coaches that do it well and the players that, that are able to get into that can really, uh, you know, maybe put themselves in positions they might not have otherwise been able to be in. One last thing to address in our Around the Wide World of Sports segment here. Uh, We're going to just start making a list of what I'm going to call the the double-edged sword rules. I think that so much of what has occurred in terms of the empowerment of student-athletes and freeing them up from not being bound to their institutions, which by and large do exploit them for financial gain is a good thing. It also has a double-edged sword because it opens up, um, it, it brings into question things like commitment, brings into question things like sticking it out, persevering. It brings so many different elements to the table. So I don't, for all the, the positives, there's a lot of negatives too. This one-time transfer rule is about the pass. I think for some kids, it's great. Certain situations, they're going to be able to escape maybe a dead-end program or a coaching staff that isn't what they thought it was going to be or they get an elevated opportunity or they don't have to be stuck because they got hurt or whatever it might be. 
On the other hand, I think it makes it ripe for kids to just abuse the rule and and transfer ad nauseum and not respect the the sanctity of being part of a team and gutting it out and maybe not getting everything handed to you. But this one I thought was crazy. The NCAA is about to pass a rule that renders APR basically irrelevant for the next two years. No program in the NCAA would have to submit APR numbers whatsoever for two years. Academic progress rating, that's what the APR is. So every year you get an academic progress rating for your specific year, and then that goes into a four-year total for your four-year APR. You need to maintain an APR of each single year you must be, I think, at 930 is the single year total. And for your four-year total, you have to be at 950, which 950 means you're graduating more than 50% of your guests, your graduate or, or young ladies, whatever it is. You need to graduate more than 50% of your players that you're signing initially. And so you can make up for a lot of that in a lot of different ways. A lot of times when people quit or retire or transfer or whatever, it's not necessarily an APR hit. But if, if uh, I'm trying to think of an example, if you have a kid that leaves your program and his last semester, he did not have good grades and then he never resurfaces anywhere else. That's a huge APR hit for your program. So we've seen a lot of times where coaches are getting guys that maybe either retire because of medical reasons or just decide to walk away from the game. These coaches are begging these guys to come back to school and say, hey, scholarship or whatever it, it takes, we got to figure out how to you do, to get your last semester of classes in. We can't just take zeros because that hurts your APR. So the double-edged sword part of this, the positive part of this is now if there's kids that don't want to live on campus, they don't want to stay on their campus, they're going to a school that maybe is in a really dangerous area, their family is a bunch of high-risk people, they have somebody that's sick in their family, they want to stay home, all these different things. Now they don't have to incur penalties that maybe will be held against them within their program for walking away or maybe taking a break or whatever it might be. That's good. The double-edged sword part of this, though, is that if you don't have to submit grades, the first thing I thought of was what are some of these basketball coaches going to do? If they, they already are, they're already making a system where these dudes have to go to class for like 11 seconds before they don a jersey, don't go to class after the new year, and they go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen when there's no APR whatsoever? It could just make this thing outlandishly out, really. It, it, it could be such a gigantic mess. I think the NCAA really needs to analyze this one big time because if you tell people there's no academic regulations man free for all especially in men's basketball i got no academic regulations that's why the show's so good it's <laughs> two telling new one is one of 290 espn radio swx montana television good to be with you on a monday all right we'll put this to bed we'll see how it kind of plays out all, a lot of this is i mean it's almost hard to or even foolish to like analyze you just got to see what happens and then go okay well i guess that's the way that went so i guess in a month from now we'll know who's playing who or maybe we'll try and know who's playing who at least one day and then maybe we'll watch a basketball game wouldn't that be something uh we'll take a quick break on the other side the bozeman girls continued dominating in the class double a cross country meet but on the boys side there is a new king in the court next Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or 
or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn, also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Couple things didn't totally flesh this out, but we're going to get into it right now anyway. So let me not put the cart ahead of the horse. It's Do Tell and New One. It's 1029 ESPN Radio. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Thanks for being with us. SWX Montana across the state. Outstanding to be with all of you. Thanks for hanging out in the room here with us. Uh, at Gus Tutel, at 1029 ESPN, and at Skyline Sports MT, your relevant Twitter handles. It is time now for our prep extra segment. It is brought to us by the Farmers State Bank. Farmers State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907. Check out online, farmersebank.com. Um, so a couple of things here. Now, you heard this in the newsread if you were if you have been listening any more than two minutes ago uh, to the present. But again, the Sentinel boys in uh, an upset, certainly of sorts, won the Class AA cross-country state championship as a team. And it is the first time that Bozeman didn't win it since 2007. I mean, my it's goodness. ridiculous. If I might say, the run they've been on. <laughs> you get it? I get uh, it. In any case, and then they, the, the Bozeman Hawks, in fact, took third, which is nothing to snuff at. But congratulations to Hellgate for getting second in this thing. So two Missoula schools go 1-2, and then the Hawks go in third. Bozeman still had the individual winner with Sterling Marshall Pride, and then Tanner Clump takes second, and in third from Hellgate, Ignatius Fitzgerald, which again, I mean, you can't do better than Ignatius Fitzgerald and Sterling Marshall Pride for a couple of names. I mean, that's outstanding work. I would like to uh, convey my congratulations and appreciation to the sets of parents there. But this was this is what's amazing. Three other Sentinel kids, Wyatt Mortensen, Chase Green, Corbin Johnson, all finished in the top 15. So you're talking four out of the top 15 finishers are Sentinel Spartans. So very impressive for Sentinel, and congratulations to them. And I mean, you know, I in a lot of places, there is, can I call it, I don't know if bootstrapping is the word, but, you know, if you're in an organization and you might have you know, fairly disparate parts of the organization, even though you're part of a whole, you might have, you know, an HR thing over here and a research thing over here and a sales arm over here, whatever it might be. But if one thing's going good, it tends to kind of bring the others along with it. And 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 a lot of that, you know, you talk to me all the time about leadership and, and, and that, or in this instance, maybe it's coaching and that. So that's all well and good. But Sentinel High School, I think it's safe to say nobody playing on the football team is running cross country and nobody running cross country is playing football. And yet when the athletic department and the school in that, you know, is is going in the way that it's going and the halls, you know, they're they're kind of a buzz a little bit. You know what I mean? And you get a little bit of that 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 good 
sort of mojo going, and it builds on itself. And then all of a sudden, the soccer team's maybe better than what you thought, and the basketball team in the in the winter, you know, takes takes the lead and 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 starts playing well. And you kind of expect that things are going to go well because it just sort of conveys. And it's you know kind of ethereal, but I think that that especially at the high school level is real when you get you know, one team or a couple of teams doing well, it generally trickles through the whole thing, even when the athletes don't overlap. Now, I understand some small schools, football players playing, basketball is playing yeah. track, and now you get your state champions all the way across the board because you got two of the best kids in Class C playing for your school, you know? So I, I get that, but this is uh, impressive for Sentinel right here, really. It is. Sentinel, the boys are having a great resurgence, and it's it's through a lot of hard work of a lot of the gentlemen that work down there, and I think they deserve a ton of credit because they have really changed the culture of athletics at Sentinel. And I think that that is directly translated into the production that they were having on the in the in the field of competition, whether it's cross country, whether it's uh, boys soccer, whether it's semifinals, whether it's state uh, golf, whether they were state champions in golf. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And now the football team's rolling too. You're right. The other thing that's so interesting to me is the, uh, the culture of a town, because running distance running is one of the few sports you can do for your life. It's one of the few sports that's multi-generational. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe not you. <laughs> you weren't necessarily built to be a distance runner. No, Myself, no. No, I wasn't either. I'm but, a short distance faller. Is but, what uh, but what I'm saying, though, is to me, it's not a coincidence that the Bozeman Track and Field Club is the strongest track and field club in the state of Montana. Right. Dave Skelton running that thing. Pat, uh, uh, Coach Kennedy, Dale Kennedy, who was at Montana State forever. They're getting kids into track at such a young age, but then they're brothers and sisters their parents yeah. even their grandparents are but doing he's into it. it yeah and so everybody's doing it so like you really can't go for a run with your grandma and that's it but that's fascinating but then you have it in missoula too we've seen this great running culture yeah and anders brooker who's the head coach at missoula Helgi, like he run, he owns the runner's edge there's all the it's it's part of the culture of missoula and you think about the missoula marathon everything that's been planned in this town mm-hmm. and the way that this has become a destination for people that's all right. around the oh, world yeah 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 and, and that that has a distinct impact on the way that uh, kids think about cross-country running i i understand you know on sports talk radio and just in general i mean what, what people are fans they're not lining up to go to, to really to track meets in general although track a but little they bit they should they should i know you it, i'm serious though you, i i understand what, how some sports are a little bit more boring in terms of translating to talk radio because there's yeah. just not a lot to argue about and that's the essence of what we do is arguing about things no it's not <laughs> but but <laughs> But truly, though, when you talk about the, the the psychology of an athlete and what it takes to be a competitor, the competitive spirit. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about this girls' race for a second. Callie Hartnett is the defending state champion. She's an, a, a nationally elite caliber runner out of Helena High. Sage Brooks is going to Syracuse. She's an ACC caliber runner. And Kenzie May, who was getting no publicity coming into this thing, she decides she's going to run with them. And so she gets up on the hip of Kylie Hartnett and Sage Brooks. And by the last mile, she's like, I'm still here. So she decides to sprint all the way to the finish, and she wins the race. She won it. Huge upset. You talk about mental toughness. Like, doing that in Kalispell when it's five degrees is amazing. And, and, and watching her come across the toughness. line in, you know, the the, the cross-country shorts, you know, to try and make the, the it as light as you possibly can from a weight standpoint. Well, guess what? It ain't exactly insulated. She comes across a whole bunch of people and all their polar parkas are there to, like, greet her and help her and wrap her up and everything like that. But what a, what a performance. But what I was going to say just about the culture of it, I know, I know that there's not a ton of quote fans of right. of track and field and even less so of cross country, right? But when you talk about the culture of something, you know, I went, you know, lived whatever, but spent you know, quite a bit of time in, in Southern Africa, right? I was there 
many months. And you know what I was into by the time I left? Cricket. Mm, now, mm-hmm. anybody that, that knows anything about cricket would say, you know, baseball looks like, you know, looks like hockey, looks like basketball compared to cricket a lot of times. I mean, the 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 boredom and the tediousness of a five-day-long single game and so on. And they got shorter versions of the game, which are a little more, you know, a little more pace to them and stuff like that. But if you had told me, you know, cricket, I'm like, you know, no, I'm not into it. And by the time I, I'm sitting there watching, yeah. screaming at the, at the, you know, come on, West Indies, let's go, you know, at the television. My point is, is when you start to get into something, and it continues to be there for you. And I think we've all experienced this in some way or f- fashion. It doesn't matter if, if, you know, if there's, you know, if it's got a billion dollar television contract associated with it. And the, the marathoning, the running, the cross country stuff, the track and field stuff completely falls into that category. And when people are into it, you go, oh, wow. And then if you get a group of people, it becomes that you know, you're doing it, you know, that, that much more often with that much more engagement. And all of a sudden it just builds on itself. Certainly has been the case in Bozeman now for, for a decade and a half. And yet it has been certainly growing in Missoula a lot as well. And I do think, you know, I don't know how much, if any, the Gallatin impact is being felt Ooh, right here. Maybe. Um, we know that no senior to be, and maybe even junior to be, mm-hmm. We're exempt from going to Gallatin if they want you know want to stay mm-hmm. with your classmates and friends that you've been with. You can stay. So Gallatin was not going to be you know hugely influential presumably in this, but that doesn't mean that there might not be a young runner or two that maybe would have been contributing me- members of a Bozeman team that then were not there. I don't sure. know that, sure. but in Missoula we know for sure there's three schools that you know got cross-country teams that got runners at them, and you got to have a lot of people running to supply high-end running for those schools. And now it looks like it's there because you go one-two on the boys' side, and the girls, Hellgate takes second. A lot of times, too, in these team races, the determining factor is not who finishes in the top 10. It's everybody that finishes between 10 and 25. That's right. And yep. gets those all-state honors. So Wyatt, Wyatt Morrison transferring into Missoula Sentinel, he's going to be a real threat in track, too. I think he got 12th. But he's a kid that comes from Colorado. He was an all-state distance runner down there. And that gives Sentinel the boost. And the, the other interesting part, we've talked to our, our good buddy Craig Mettler, head track and field coach at Missoula Sentinel, about mm-hmm. this. Sentinel is still the reigning boys champion in Class AA. They won their first Class AA boys state championship in track two springs ago. They never got a chance to defend it because track was canceled this That's year. Right. They won that thing, though, based on the strength of guys like Rylan Ort, great javelin thrower. Guys like Jane Foster, great sprinter. You know, Guys like Jace DeWalt is now playing for the Grizzlies. Sprinter, hurdler, Elias DeWaters, long jumper. They were into the explosive events. The distance running was never really a part of Sentinel's scoring. Well, if you take the state championship cross-country team and you pair it with the defending state champion track team, now you have a juggernaut. No doubt. So it'll be interesting to see how Sentinel performs in the spring. One other thing worth noting, Kenzie May is the daughter of Clint May, the University Mm, of Montana interim track and field coach, but the guy who architected and built the Bozeman dynasty and the girls you mentioned, Gus, they won 13 out their 13th title in the last 14 years. And Clint May was the head coach for, I believe 10 of those. So uh, interesting to see that one of the people that maybe had a little bit of an impact because the girls, the Bozeman girls still did win, but not by just by four points it's over Hellgate. Very, very close. Race, but uh, Hellgate's closing the gap. And part of the reason they're able to close the gap is because Clint May's daughter is now running here at, uh, at Missoula Hellgate. Let's jump over Coulter to football for a couple of minutes here. Um, you know, I don't know if this is old news for people or whatever, but I mean, it, 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 
it is still remarkable to me what Sentinel's doing. The Sentinel Spartans went to Kalispell Glacier Friday, snowing, cold, everything else. They won 44-0. Now, that means that they beat Helena High, who was undefeated when they played them a week ago, and Kalispell Glacier, who was 5-1 and one coming into this game, a, uh, a collective 92 to nothing In this game, and this is with Jake Rendino, who's one of the, the best, if not the single best running back prospect in the state of Montana for Kalispell Glacier. As a team, Kalispell Glacier had 15 yards of offense. It's it's unbelievable. And Jake Rendino, first down. Jake Rendino, the best running back in the state of Montana, had 12 yards on 12 carries. Um, like you're selling all the way out, man. I don't care how much talent you got. If you hold a running back like of his caliber to one yard per carry, that is an unbelievable effort. And that he only got 12 carries. Talks right. to you about how many three and outs there were and everything else because this was not an issue of, oh, the game plan was wrong. No, there was not opportunity. And, you know, in the snow and all that, I understand it's probably going to be a little bit harder to get some yards, but it's also if you get the edge, it's easy to break or easier sometimes to break one. A defensive player can't make a cut, can't change direction, whatever it might be. Uh, this is truly remarkable, man, where, where the level that Sentinel has attained to this season and what they've done. Billings West, the other undefeated in the state, is still undefeated. They got a great win against a very good Bozeman team. 23-19. Great, great football game in the east side of the state. So Billings West, 7-0, and and they are going to be, uh, you know, they're obviously undefeated coming into this playoff bracket here. But the way, like, even against Helena High, uh, they talked about, you know, Coach Oliver talked about the defensive stand, one or two goal line stands that yeah, the they team had, made. They had, a, they had a fourth down stop on the four yards from the end zone. When they're trying to, you know, trying to keep a team. This was never even close. I mean, there's never even a moment that, that you're sitting there going, this team might score. And this is, this Glacier team is one of the best teams in the state. I mean, you're talking about now a two-loss team, but a very good, you know, formidable team with a great player, you know, uh, that's, that sort of leads the charge, which often you need. And there's just there was no answer. And this team has not played a close football game this season, period. has not It just hadn't existed. There is not competition for this team on the west side of the state. Yeah, and the naysayers would say, well, if they ever run into a tough opponent like AKA, if they do face West in the championship, are they going to be ready for the challenge? But the thing is, they've been embracing the hardest yes. challenges. Like, they've been getting goal line stands when they already know their offense is going to score 40. They were up 20 nothing, 21 nothing when they got that goal line stand against Helena High and then went on a 96-yard drive to basically seal the game when they were still five minutes to go in the second quarter. I mean, that's just yeah. the ultimate gut punch. That's the way you take opponents well, out. And you, you also feel, too, about the Sentinel team that, yes, they have tremendous amount of talent. Okay, we, we understand that. But the idea of, well, if they're in a, in a close game, will they respond? Well, I, I think they will. And we know, you go back two years, this is a team that had heartbreaking loss after heartbreaking loss. And at some point, you kind of wonder if it's in the water a little bit. You know, when you when it's just another last play of the game, whether it's a two-point conversion that you can't make or you can't stop or a missed kick or a made kick, but they all go against you. And you start to feel like you're, you like you're the Atlanta Falcons or something like this. You know, like you're just not good. Like it's never going to happen. I guess, well, that's not, that's not that far removed. Like these kids were on that team. These kids were playing in some, some of kids, those yeah. games. Sure. And... 
yet the mentality that they have, it looks like that was something that they learned from and grew from. And I think I credit the coaching staff for that, but I also credit these kids who sort of collectively made a decision. We're not going to let any of that be our problem. We're going to go out and do what we do. And I think as remarkable as this is to say, this is a team that you can actually see has gotten better from the beginning of the year to this part of the year, even though they're winning 50 to nothing every, every week, the competition has stiffened towards the end of the year and it hasn't made the slightest bit of difference. In fact, if anything, it's been more dominant. Well, in football, we see so often the best teams, when it gets to those moments of adversity, then they can just ride their main horses. They can ride them all the way to the finish line. Yeah. Sentinel hasn't had to do that one single time this year, but I don't th- think that has any indication of if they can. If they just needed to throw Jace Kluswich the ball 15 times, they would. If they just needed to line up a, a couple running backs behind whatever quarterback they're playing and run them right behind Dylan Rollins, they would. And they can. And so that that's why it's going to be so fascinating to see how this all culminates. But... 347 to 33. That's what they won the regular season. That's 49 and a half points per game for the Spartans, 4.1 points per game for the opponents. They haven't given up a point since September. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, that is that is astoundingly yeah. dominant. They're rolling. Uh, Coulter, we just have like maybe maybe 60 seconds here, but do you quickly want to highlight a couple of the playoff brackets? We're going to get into this more tomorrow, especially, and we'll, because the state playoffs are set at all, all classifications yeah. now. Uh, but there's a couple of, you know, a couple of interesting games, a couple of regional games, and some teams who were kind of on the bubble that this last weekend uh, got them in or out. Butte had a big win over Hellgate on a snowy evening, and we'll get a little bit to that with my Treasure State Stars uh, here pretty soon. That punched Butte's ticket to the playoffs, so Butte will play at Helena Capital on Friday night. Bozeman's last to Billings West. That knocks them out of that spot, getting a bye, but they play CMR on Friday night. Billings West gets a bye. Helena High gets a bye, and Sentinel gets a bye, as well as Billings Senior. And then on the other side of the bracket, you got Great Falls versus Skyview. Great Falls, a 35-7 win over uh, CMR it's so perplexed. I, I assist it makes your eyes go cross to think that CMR is losing the Great Falls High by four touchdowns. That just was never a possibility yeah. for like 40 years, and now it is. <laughs> Mark Sampson's actually doing a good job at, at Great Falls High, he's a great coach, always has been. And uh, it's just so interesting to me. I don't know how CMR lost its way so much. I mean, they were. They were like a college team when for, for all of Jack Johnson's tenure. But anyways, Great Falls and, and Billings Skyview, uh, and then Kalispell Glacier, they also missed that bye. But they'll be one of the top seeds in that first round. They played Missoula Big Sky. That's actually a very intriguing matchup because I know Big Sky is only a two-win team. But if there was any of the quote-unquote top half of the state, like the, the Power Five that yeah. Big Sky was going to play, I think Glacier is actually the best matchup. Yeah. If Big Sky wouldn't have, Big Sky forced two turnovers in the first probably 20 minutes of that game when they played earlier this year, but then they turn the ball over themselves. If they don't, they can play a little ball control, maybe trick Glacier into playing a low-scoring game. We'll see. Uh, the other one we'll highlight today, and then we'll get into all the other state playoffs uh, throughout the week. But Class A, the brackets are set. Only eight teams made the Class A playoffs. So your matchups, which will all take place on a Halloween Saturday, you got Sydney traveling <laughs> 10 million miles to Hamilton. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it couldn't really get much farther. Gosh, they'll probably have to leave on Wednesday if the roads don't well, get Well, at least the better. weather's nice. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, you got Frenchtown traveling to Laurel. Great job by the Bronx. We'll get into that a little bit, too, because I got one of their star players is one of my five Treasure State stars as well. But the Bronx, 
backs against the wall, and then they win all the way to get in. And so that all three of the teams out of the West make the playoffs, the Southwest, that is. Dylan also is hosting the game against Miles City, and then Billing Central Columbia Falls, your other match. By the way, Freshdown plays Laurel in the first round of the Class A playoffs. So you're already into the quarterfinals, basically, in the yeah. Class A playoffs. So just three wins, and you're the state champions. It's also worth noting, this is, is somewhat remarkable, but Loyola ended up playing four games this year, didn't win any of them but had two games which were forfeited to them. And to, to be fair, those those teams against Anaconda and Deer Lodge, Loyola, even without having won a game elsewhere, very likely would. I mean, you got to believe they would have won those games. They, they certainly, I think, would have. But nonetheless, they get two wins on the schedule through forfeiture and are in the Class B playoffs. So uh, it hasn't been the greatest season, obviously, for Loyola, but... They're in and they're playing Fairfield, uh, which Coach Hughes said was their best game of the year in terms of the way they competed. A really good game on a, against a good Fairfield team. So that info, uh, courtesy of 406MT Sports. So thanks to them for that. But, uh, well, you know, Loyola, one way or another, the streak, the playoff streak is alive and well, and they are in. Uh, this has been our Farmers State Bank Prep Extra segment. Right now, okay, we're across the state, state of Montana. If you're up there in Helena, if you're in the state capital, Farmers State Bank proud to announce a new full-service location open in Helena. They also, within the uh, building in the coming months, they're going to have a new 1889 coffee house and Headwaters Dram Shop all in the same sort of building in the same complex there with the new Farmer's State Bank. It is open though now, full-service bank in Helena, Montana. Go check it out. Farmer's State Bank, your Montana bank since 1907, now open at Last Chance Gulch and Montana Avenue in Helena. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Sports Center. Outstanding to be with you. It's Sports Center, not Sports Center here. Sports show, I guess, as it is. It is uh, a Monday, and every Monday as we do around here, we give you a little sort of team update from the weekend, this time cross-country and football. But Coulter also goes through and gives us his Treasure State Stars of the weekend, the individual performances that were outstanding, that were the best of the weekend. And Coulter, you got several of them, starting with Treasure State Star number one, the Sentinel Spartan defense. I know it's not an individual, but it acts like a one, like, you know, a, a well-oiled singularity, a machine out there. I mean, there's no way to point out really a statistically dominant star when you only give up three first downs. You're hardly on the field. You're so dominant, there's only like 30 plays, so nobody even had more than three or four tackles. Yeah. But that's, uh, how, but that's why the whole unit it, gets it. I it, mean, tremendous. 15, 15 yards, 15 total yards, three first downs. I mean... They have given up. They haven't given up a point since the first weekend of October. They had four consecutive shutouts. 
They've given up 33 points all season, including 19 to Flathead in the yeah. opener. Yeah. They've yeah. given up two touchdowns since then, two in six games. Um, it's unbelievable. I want to say this, and this will get us into our second uh, star here, but I know I know it's it's cold, man. It's just it's cold. There's no 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 two ways about it. It's, it's doggone cold. January cold in, in here at the end of October, and I know that a lot of people are, are are bummed about that, and that's fine. But I am gonna say Friday night, my heart was overflowing with warmth and joy and happiness because I was following along in, on Twitter and 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 various. At some point, at some point, doesn't have to be now. Kid be in the playoffs. High school football in the state of Montana has to be played in the snow. Just has to happen. Yep. It has to be bad weather. It has to be ugly. It has to be cold. People got to be standing out there freezing because that's just the way it is. Like you start and it's a hundred degrees in August and you finish and it's zero. Okay, that's what it has to be, and that's what it was on Friday. And in the blizzard, colder star number two, Christian Vetter came to play. It was a butte snowstorm. The pictures are awesome. Go check them out if you haven't seen them. They're all over the internet, both MontanaSports.com and 406MTSports.com. Christian Vetter scored five touchdowns in that blizzard. That's only the sixth player in the history of Butte High School to achieve that feat. The Bulldogs toppled Missoula Hellgate 35-16 to punch their ticket to the Class AA playoffs. Vetter's first two scores, 58 yards, 51 yards, pretty darn good. According to ButteSports.com, Bill Foley and the boys, they're doing a great job, too, covering Butte Sports. But he joined Zach Bunny. Jim Freshman, Heath McCloskey, Dallas Cook, Jim Bertoglio, and John Hersog in achieving the feat. 203 yards rushing, the eighth most in the history of the Butte High Bulldogs. And they finish fourth in the Western AA. They'll face number five, Helena Capital, in the playoffs. And they get to host it at Naranchi, so you might get back How to about back that? snow games How about that? in the Minot City. Star number three, Taco Dowler. Him and his brother uh, ripping it up for Billings West. Probably the two best skill players on that team. Taco Dowler's, in my opinion, the best kick return in the state of Montana. He's a junior. I think by the time this is all said and done, he's going to have some Big Sky Conference offers. He's Electric, really, really, really fast. He's also a great receiver. Caught the game-winning touchdown. A little over five minutes to go as Billings West topped Bozeman 23-19. That was the game of the week. It was right here on SWX Montana Television. And uh, that clinches the number two seed for the Bears. They get a bye, and they'll host throughout the playoffs. And uh, Bozeman, that means they are playing in the first round. Um, so the Hawks, they get a host Great Falls CMR on, uh, on Friday night in Bozeman. But big win for Billings West. Taco Dollar leading the way. Treasure State star number four. Tell Arthur, and this kid gets a ton of publicity from the Frenchtown coaches as well as the statewide audience at large because of his defensive prowess. Uh, Coach Ryan Nelson told us that he's the best defensive player he's ever coached. He's been an unbelievable player on offense the last couple weeks as well, though. He's really carrying the load for Frenchtown, and he scored both their touchdowns on Friday to lift him to a 14-6 win over Libby in a slugfest. Had to have it. Had to have it, and that punches a ticket to the Class A playoffs. So Frenchtown, they will go on the road to play at State Runner-Up from a year ago, Laurel. That should be a great game because Laurel's not quite as good as they were last year. Frenchtown's really surging. I actually think Frenchtown has the best – um, what they've done the last month is the best in all of Class A because they've been in playoff mode. They've been yeah. talking about it. Uh, they they, have they it. couldn't yeah. have lost. And so they've been playing basically one-and-done style games right. for weeks. That's right. Uh, and fifth and finally, our fifth Treasure State star out of Big Sandy. Shout out, Big Sandy. What do we got? 
Is there more famous fuel from Big Sandy than any tiny town in Montana? I mean, New York, move over. L.A., never heard of you. Big I mean, Sandy, baby, I mean, that's what I'm talking capita, about. You got John Tester, you got Jeff Ament. There's been some great track athletes. And you got Cade Struts. Got Cade Struts. The Class A, or excuse me, Class C six-man playoff started this week. So there's a ton of different results from that, including Big Sandy's 57-6 to win over Weibo. Cade Struts, he rushed for 279 yards and six touchdowns to boost Big Sandy into the second round of the playoffs. He scored three of his touchdowns in the second quarter alone, including a 75-yarder, and Big Sandy took a 32-0 halftime lead. And uh, I think his brother, it must be his brother, Cody Stretz, he also scored two touchdowns in that game as well. But Big Sandy, they are into the second round. They will play Bridger on Saturday afternoon. A couple other six-man results included Freud Lake beating Broadview uh, Lavina 56-6. Harlotown Rygate Co-op beat Knoxon 38-14. Bridger beat Hot Springs to move into that uh, second round against Big Sandy. Of course, then the Big Sandy result, 57-6 to six for Big Sandy. So we'll keep you apprised of those results as they continue this next weekend. There you go. Treasure State Stars. Thank you, Coulter. Hour number one in the books. Hour two straight ahead. Week seven in the NFL. The most storyline-laden week we've seen by far. It's not close. We'll get into some of them after this. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 